Hello and welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when we try to go it alone. We know that together, we are healthier. Today on the show, we'll be discussing physio tips on how to improve your running with Andy Chalmers from Geelong Physiotherapy. Andy graduated from La Trobe University with a Bachelor of Applied Science, Master of Physiotherapy practice. He currently works at the Western Bulldogs as a sports trainer, as well as a head physiotherapist for the North Geelong Warriors. Andy has a particular interest in musculoskeletal injuries, as well as orthopedic rehabilitation, although he enjoys treating patients from all walks of life. He treats patients with a combination of manual therapy and exercise rehabilitation, in which he is a qualified Australian Strength and Conditioning Association, ASCA, level one coach. Andy Chalmers, welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. I often hear people talk about the biomechanics of running. Can you explain what this actually means? So biomechanics is effectively a series of joint movements uh, across most importantly the lower limb, but also the upper limb that propels forward through running. So basically it can be broken down into two components, the contact phase where the foot of one leg is in contact with the ground and flight phase where the same leg is no longer in contact with the ground. So the particular interest that's stemming from such biomechanics and gaining interest in runners is how we might manipulate our running biomechanics to achieve one or all of injury prevention, injury rehab and running performance. Some common elements of these biomechanics that are often floated about in running discussion are things like our foot strike pattern. Um, So what part of the foot hits the ground first when it makes contact with the ground? Our step rate, so the rate at which we take each step. Uh, Our stride length, so how long our steps are. Hip adduction, so basically how close our knees get to touching during running. Rear foot aversion, so a movement of our ankle joint, particularly while it's on the ground. So those are some of the main ones thrown around in research at the moment, but there's obviously others amongst them. And just to provide the listeners a bit of an example of how we might manipulate running biomechanics as a means of injury rehab, uh, we can consider patellofemoral pain, which is pain at the front of the knee where the kneecap and the thigh bone meet. So generally, patellofemoral pain is provoked in deeper knee flexion, so when the knee's bent. So a biomechanical adjustment we can make is to increase our step rate, which in doing so, we decrease our knee flexion in the mid-stance phase of the running cycle and ultimately decrease patellofemoral load on the sensitive tissue. So again, only as an example, if we were going to teach that in clinic, uh, that might involve working out the runner's step rate and aiming to increase this by approximately 10%, which is where the literature suggests is a good place to start, um, which might be achieved with the cue of simply taking quick steps or running to the beat of a metronome, which is set at the desired step rate. How can we improve our running technique? So if we're speaking strictly about improving our running economy, so best utilising our energy while running, which may in turn improve running performance, there's evidence to support some considerations with our running technique. So firstly, not overstriding. So ideally, we want our front foot landing closer to our centre of mats rather than too far out in front. So in doing so, we effectively put on the brakes to our momentum propelling us forward, which takes greater energy to overcome. Uh, Next, running slightly taller. So this isn't to say running with a stiff tall posture, but rather a relaxed tall posture where we aren't leaning back too far or leaning forward too far. So again, Both scenarios can lead to a greater energy cost for every step we take. And finally, letting your arms swing rather than rotate around your body. So if we allow our shoulders to rotate while we run, we force our lower body and hips to rotate in the opposing direction, resulting in us not running with a straight trajectory, which is a far less efficient way of running for energy expenditure. So ultimately, I'd say, particularly if you're new to running or doing it for a bit of fitness and not taking it too seriously, um, I wouldn't be looking to alter your running technique too much unless you're in pain and guided by a physio. 
So as mentioned, the tips provided a ways evidence suggests we may improve our running performance, but the evidence at the moment isn't strong enough to suggest altering our running biomechanics and other facets, like I mentioned earlier, as a means of injury prevention, while altering biomechanics may form a part of our rehab um, if we do get injured. And what about running downhill? Is there a particular technique we should use when running downhill? So the main thing I'd like to comment, comment on there for running downhill is just to remember this is a completely different stimulus on the body. Um, and the tissues to running on an even track. So for instance, running downhill, it's going to, to increase our aerial time, decrease our step frequency and increase our energy costs when slopes are greater than 20%, which is going to lead to an increased mechanical and muscle stresses. So this isn't to deter people from downhill running, but rather just to advise changing your, changing your training gradually. So in regards to downhill running technique recommendations, uh, a few things to consider might be Firstly, leaning slightly forward while you're running downhill, uh, keeping a slight bend in the knees, running the shorter, quicker strides and using your arms for balance. Most importantly, though, just stay relaxed and confident throughout. And what about our warm up and warm down uh, pre and post uh, running? Are there particular exercise stretches, movements we should be doing before and after running? Yeah, so warm-ups and in particular stretching um, are a controversial topic in physio and sports science at the moment in respect to its role in injury prevention and, to be honest, would be a podcast in itself. So without making this too confusing and challenging, I'll keep it simple and make some general recommendations. So firstly, overall, consider your warm-up both a mental and physical preparation for the exercise you're about to undertake. So as such, a warm-up is best served to mentally prepare us for the exercise we're about to do rather than prevent injury per se. Some sub-maximal aerobic exercise, basic plyometrics, dynamic multi-directional flexibility or stretching and some sport-specific activities based on individual needs should all be incorporated in your warm-up. So the FIFA 11, which is more specific to sporting warm-ups, in particular soccer, but it's freely available on the internet and gives some examples of some of these more dynamic warm-up movements I'm speaking of. So effectively what I'm saying is if we're best trying to mentally and physically prepare ourselves for what we're about to do in a run, a static calf stretch where we're sitting on the ground pulling our toes towards ourselves probably isn't best suited. Rather, a few uh, springy jumps up and down on our toes before taking off into a short burst run might be more practical for what our calf muscles are about to undertake. Ultimately, though, there's nothing wrong with doing some basic passive stretching before a run. If this is, if this is something you've always done and works well for you, particularly for tight tissues causing pain and you find it relieved by stretching, then go for it. Ultimately, the message is do what you need to do best to physically and mentally prepare yourself for your run. How about after a run, Andy? Are there particular stretches or movements we should do? So here in the cool down, um, I'm more likely to recommend some static stretching. So firstly, though, I'd focus on allowing yourself to let your heart rate gradually settle, which is easily done by a short walk after you run. Then feel free to go into some static stretching. So there isn't any evidence to suggest any particular stretches are best in the cool down as means of recovery or injury prevention. So it's more of whether you notice any particular muscles that are tight and place more of an onus on them. So the most important part of your recovery comes after this, though, where you should complement your recovery with good nutrition proper hydration and enough sleep which elements more strongly researched um, as suggested as ways to enhance recovery and promote injury prevention going forward which interestingly even increased stress is researched as a risk factor for injury so recovery is more than what we just do straight after a run now there's heaps of running apps out there is it is it useful to track your run and and how do you suggest doing this so this ties into probably my biggest uh, piece of advice for runners which is to track your training loads so we know the most common running injuries 
uh, overuse injuries. So it's really important we're keeping track of our training loads. So without getting too heavy into the science, we can do this by a simple 10% rule. So basically this means that in any new week, we shouldn't increase our weekly training load by more than 10%. So as a basic example, if across my multiple runs over the last week, I've covered uh, 15 kilometers in total, I wouldn't increase my training the following week by any more than 10% of that, which 10% of 15 kilometers would be 1.5 kilometers. So if we do happen to exceed that 10% rule, literature will tell us that we're placing ourselves at a greater risk of injury. It's also helpful to have a deload week if we break our training down into four week blocks. So again, as a basic example, if week one, we've covered 15 kilometers, week two, we've added the maximum 10% being 1.5 kilometers and covered 16 and a half kilometers. And again, in week three, we've added the maximum 10%, which for 16 and a half kilometers would be 1.65 and take us up to 18.15. In the fourth week, uh, we reduce our volume. So again, by no more than 10%, which would take us back to 16 and a half kilometers for week four before we begin a new monthly training block. So again, that's just a basic example. Um, and if you want more guidance, you should contact your physio or exercise sports scientist. Um, and in means to, to track our training loads, we don't necessarily need any fancy sports watches or other equipment. Um, most people have a phone these days, so if you can carry this while you're running, there's plenty of free apps that will use a GPS to tell you how far you've covered. And how many days a week should I be running? So as a general rule, exercise guidelines would suggest running twice a week to maintain your aerobic capacity or three or more times a week to improve your aerobic capacity. So at that point, it's important to consider what your goals are. So are you running for performance because you're training for an event or are you just running to generally keep fit or socialise? So ultimately, an athlete per se would need to consider how many runs per week would be appropriate on top of the rest of their training schedule and what stage of their chosen sporting or competition season they're in. So whether they're still training for an event, they're tapering before an event or actually in season or competition. So conversely, someone running for fun or to just keep fit might might just be considering um, how they can most appropriately fit into running with some other aerobic exercise and strength training to maintain the guidelines of the recommended physical activity per week, which is to accumulate a total of 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity per week. Then I'll just add that if you're new to running or thinking of trying some running, I'd recommend initially at least giving yourself a day off legs between every run, just to let your body adjust to a new training stimulus. If I want to increase my speed and distance, what type of sessions should I be incorporating into my running routine? So definitely embrace some variety in your running um, if you want to increase the speed and distance. But particularly for new runners, I try and just focus on one goal at a time. So as in focusing on speed in one run and distance in another. Speaking very simply, if you want to increase your speed with your running, you need to practice running fast. And if you want to increase your distance with running, you need to practice running further. So as such, I'd consider mixing up your running with some interval training, some long, slow runs and temperate runs. So interval training is basically running at a faster pace than your normal aerobic pace for a set time, so say one minute, and then letting yourself recover at a resting jogging pace for say two minutes and doing this for a desired number of sets and reps. Um, a low, a long slow run, um, or as they sound, so just aiming to cover a set longer distance at a comfortable slow pace. And tempo runs finally can be a bit trickier. So if we're speaking quite simply, this is finding a pace that's usually about 20 to 30 seconds slower per kilometer of your best 5k run um, and keeping this pace for 20 to 30 minutes. So 
this type of run aims to find a pace around your lactate threshold, which means your body is able to clear the same amount of lactic acid as the body is producing, which is a great way to evoke uh, some physiological adaptations on the body. How can strength training assist in your running? So firstly, strength training is one of uh, the better means of injury prevention, and it's cost-effective and easy to incorporate for most individuals. So various literature has shown strength training to be able to improve runners' VO2 max, um, their lactate, lactate threshold, their running economy, and offer injury prevention, and forms an important cog in injury rehab. So some studies have suggested overuse injuries could almost be halved as a result of incorporating strength training. So it does this by basically improving a muscle attendance, ability to manage load, which I've mentioned numerous times as a big means of injury risk and prevention. So in respect to incorporating strength training into your schedule, again, this is dependent on the goals of the individual, but generally use it as a way to strengthen areas of weakness, which of particular importance to runners includes the calves, the hamstrings, the quads and glutes. But as always, incorporate it gradually and aim for at least twice per week to see best results. In regards to reps and sets there, this again needs to be guided um, by the individual deficits and goals. So are you, are you trying to improve your strength, your power, your hypertrophy, your endurance? So ultimately a variety of all is good, but I recommend seeing your physio or other exercise or sports science um, professional for more guidance and a more tailored program. What are the most common running injuries and the causes of them? So some of the more common running injuries uh, that would present in clinic are the likes of your tendinopathies, so of the Achilles, gluteal and hamstring, um, medial tibial stress syndrome or shin splints, patellofemoral pain, ITB pain in the lateral hip or knee. We know about 37 to 56% of running injuries are overuse injuries. This is the injured tissues have become sensitive due to the loading demands being placed on them. So this ties back into what I've mentioned a few times about training loads and appropriate management of this. So talking about the 10% rule, we know if we increase our overall training load by greater than 10% the following week, we're at a greater risk of injury. But again, very simply with any training, um, whether that be just starting running, changing your running surface or terrain, distance, speed, heels, etc., do it gradually and give your body a chance to adapt. And you mentioned strength training as well. Are there any other tips that you can suggest for runners to prevent injuries? This is basically just reiterating uh, some of the points I've made so far throughout the podcast. So firstly, most important is to get on top of your training load. So I provided a brief example of how you can use the 10% rule, um, but the key message there is just with any new training stimulus, incorporate it gradually to increase your risk of injury. Number two would be your recovery and sleep. So Allow your body enough time to adjust to a stimulus um, with adequate rest and then coupling it with appropriate hydration, nutrition and sleep. So I think generally if you're increasing your training loads, you also need to increase your recovery um, with the aspects I've mentioned as well as incorporating some rest days and deload weeks. And then finally, like you mentioned, the strength and conditioning. So incorporating some strength training at least twice per week with your running program. So as mentioned before, can act to nearly halve um, overuse injuries by improving a muscle attendance, ability to manage load. Andy, what are some reasons people see a physio for their running? So I think for a new runner, it's important to understand you're going to get some aches and pains because running is a demanding task. So it's important to be able to differentiate between what's just a niggle or some delayed onset muscle soreness and what's the start of an injury. So I think when you're in doubt, see your physio so you can get a better understanding of what's going on and hopefully prevent something small turning into something larger. Additionally, remember a physio can help you with any of the things I've spoken about today, um, whether that be helping you better understand or set up your training loads, provide 
a more specific and tailored warm-up or strength and conditioning program. Furthermore, um, where appropriate, we can also delve into some of the running biomechanics retraining elements or footwear advice. Ultimately, early intervention is always going to lead to less time injured and away from running. Now, you mentioned footwear. If I'm going shopping for a new pair of runners, what are the types of things I should be considering? And, for example, how often do I change my runners if I'm a a regular runner? Yeah, so footwear is another hotly debated topic um, in running and something, again, I'd encourage new runners not to get too caught up in. So basically, in respect to injury prevention, there isn't strong enough evidence to recommend buying one shoe or another for an individual before pain is present. So there is a role for footwear advice in injury rehabilitation from a physio perspective, but if we're being most cost-effective and looking at the evidence, it should only come after we've looked at, number one, training loads, two, recovery, three, strength and conditioning, and four, gait, re-education. So that's not to say what shoe you run in isn't important, though, or that you shouldn't give it any thought if you're buying a new pair. But I just wouldn't get too caught up in the, at the front of your mind, particularly as a means of injury prevention, apart from replacing your running shoes approximately every 600 kilometres or every 6 to 12 months. But if you're injury-free and looking at buying um, a new pair of runners, so there's a few things I'd consider. So firstly, um, like I keep mentioning, avoid making big changes. When buying a new pair of shoes, avoid going for a completely different type of shoe in respect to weight, support, and heel-to-toe drop. So again, gradual changes are best. Next, let it be as simple as being guided by comfort and symptoms. If you can try a short walk or jog and see what's most comfortable or even relieve symptoms if you're in pain. And lastly, if possible, but again, make it gradual, move towards a lighter shoe because there is some evidence to suggest um, that a lighter running shoe is associated with better running economy and performance. So just to provide an example for the listeners of where running shoe recommendations may come into practice for an injured individual, where load management, recovery, strength and conditioning and biomechanic retraining have already been explored, um, we could look at an example of an insertional Achilles tendinopathy So this is pain right at the bottom of the Achilles where it inserts into the foot and pain is usually provoked where the ankle is in dorsiflexion, so where the toes are pointing up. So here we might consider a running shoe with a greater heel-to-toe drop, um, which would take the Achilles out of its provocative position and potentially offload the sensitive tissue. Andy, do you have any suggestions on where listeners can get more information on running? So there's a plethora of resources over the internet on running, um, but a couple of the main ones I'd recommend is for a new runner, a simple Couch to 5K program works well. Um, or for those looking for running tips and injury information, Tom Gooms, one of the most renowned uh, running physios from the UK, um, has a website called runningphysio.com, which has a lot of fantastic resources. Ultimately, though, if you're looking for a more tailored advice on the internet, I'd suggest getting in touch with your own or one of our physios at Geelong Physiotherapy or other exercise sports science individuals. Andy Chalmers, thank you very much for joining us on the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's a new dawn in health insurance because GMHBA are partnering with AIA Vitality to encourage us to be healthier by rewarding healthy choices. Join GMHBA V Plus with AIA Vitality to earn real rewards for health checks, exercising, even eating well. Changing how you think about health insurance for life. GMHBA and AIA Vitality. Healthier together.